The Philadelphia Inquirer's Carrie Rickey called this movie a likable comedy with many pratfalls, a couple laugh-out-loud moments, and a deep understanding of pageant superficiality. A.O. Scott of the New York Times said it seems happily, deliberately second-rate, as if its ideal audience consisted of weary airline passengers. And Rolling Stone critic Peter Travers wrote, This miss is a mess. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Miss Congeniality. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, you beautiful starfighters, you. Oh, is that some sort of pageant type of thing? Is that William Shatner? You know, life is a big pageant, and uh, our listeners are beautiful people. Okay. So, yes, I, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, that that's in the spirit of pageantry and of beauty, um, both within and without, in the spirit of February. Uh, yes. <laughs> The I'm I'm happy to be wrapping up February, to be honest. I there's just been so much like, you know, federal government nonsense going on, not just in the in the movies we've been watching, but just like, you know, it's it's easy to just be reminded of all of the the troubles that we have in our country. <laughs> and then uh it'll be nice to I, I was gonna say get out of that but i know that our next movie which <laughs> which uh we're about if you listen closely you might hear us tell talk say the name of the the movie that we're covering on the next episode um yeah that's not going to make it any easier huh hmm okay yeah, fine no right. lying there yeah. um so, yeah uh, but but so yeah. We're, yeah we're talking about but but hey we're 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 talking about miscongeniality and and honestly like looking at our month of FBI related movies really the only you know serious you know the only ones meant to be taken seriously were uh you know Silence of the Lambs and the the Hannibal Lecter yeah. films I point break point break right. to an and extent. and I would say that of the four that we've covered this month the mo- ones that were more enjoyable for me to watch were Silence of the Lambs and Point Break because it's it's we got the perspectives of both sides of things. Not to say that serial killers and bank robbers are in any way the protagonists of the film, but we connect with them in a different level from the way that we did in Miscongeniality. I mean, we get the perspective of the antagonist. Um, and then also in Feds, there really is no antagonist. It's just themselves like the system the system kind the si- of no no it's not even the system it's not even the system yeah it's people who are kind of their friends because joe don baker or not joe don baker's fred dalton thompson's character is uh he's somewhat fine. supportive yeah yes he's fine uh, but uh yeah i mean more supportive than like keanu reeves superior in uh in point break yeah john Mc- john c mckinley yeah character uh, and you know, in in Miss Congeniality, you have uh, Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson, who is more supportive in the second one. Yes, 
and less present in the second one. That's right. Yeah, but he wasn't that present in the first one either. No, no, no. But yeah, it's more uh, treat Williams right. kind of taking over as the uh, that's true the superior in miscongeniality uh, part deux. Uh, armed and armed fabulous. fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so but yeah, anyway, so. we're getting way ahead of ourselves. We're gonna we're, we'll we'll talk about the cast. We'll talk about the movies. We'll talk about the the genre. Um, because and you know I've I've definitely enjoy. I would say I enjoyed like you enjoyed Point Break and Silence of the Lambs. Enjoyed revisiting those because, um, aside from that, they were both released in the same wonderful movie year, nineteen ninety one. They were both, uh, you know, they're just like their favorites. They're like they're. They're 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 classic they're classics if you ask me yeah uh, yeah and I know that uh, Miss Congeniality is certainly a beloved film by a lot of people. This was my first time seeing it, uh, and mm. I understand why there would be the appeal. Uh, it came out in two thousand, and that was a time when I think that the pageant thing was sort of like. Ripe, you know, in '99, Drop Dead Gorgeous came out, and even though that wasn't like a blockbuster hit or anything, it was certainly more of an underground sleeper. It's a but cult. It's, it's a, a cult classic. Yeah, it was kind of an instant cult classic, and I feel like that really was like, oh, there's a market for you know comedies about the pageant scene, and although, sorry, uh, sorry, I interrupted. You said but although. I was, I, I was although uh, what's interesting was that I I had read that Miss Congeniality had originally been pitched. So like Donald Petrie is the uh, was the director, mm-hmm. but he was not always the director. And the previous director, who has not been mentioned by name in anything, Robert I've read, Redford, <laughs> Fort Red Border to you, uh, sneakers. Uh, <laughs> it was neither. It was not Phil Alden Robinson either. I don't think it was. Uh, but on. anyway, the director was pitching it much more as a parody or a, a spoof or satire on beauty pageants, and it's like, well, Drop Dead Gorgeous got there first. It, yeah, and, and I mean, I'm sure that Miss Congeniality was, you know, being filmed long before Drop Dead Gorgeous came out. But like, right. But also, um. It, so miscongeniality falls into, and I'm gonna, uh, I'm, I'm going to an, uh, an, a piece that was posted on uh, on Decider uh, in December 2020 around the 20 year uh, anniversary of of miscongeniality re- released in December 2000, and uh, the writer here, Charles Bermesco, talks about miscongeniality as being part of a. Uh, a, 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 it's a genre that that the right that the writer says he's mentally labeled as the system works movies, oh. meaning that they are very they're formulaic. It is he yeah. says literal by the book script writing, but it's it's reliable. It's it's comfort food. Yeah, I mean, this is a movie that you know now that it's and it's you know coming up on twenty two years. I guess if December. Uh, 2000 is when it came out, you know, we're anyway, uh, it's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time since, uh, this movie came out and there are certainly things about it that do not age well. Um, there's a lot of problems with it that 
Uh, I mean, honestly, should have been considered at the time. What are you kind of like scratching your chin for? Oh no, no, not because I have some more. Uh, I have some, some. I have some quotes uh, from from Donald Petrie on that. Don't on you that want some topic. quotes from old Johnny Richardson over oh, here? No, I do. I was just, I was just doing the like. I have, um, I, I have something to add on this topic, but like, continue. well, why don't we do a synopsis of Miss Congeniality first? And if we could do that, yeah, let's do that for anybody who hasn't seen Miss Congeniality, such as myself until a few days ago, uh, this, this one's for you. Gracie Hart has always been hard as nails, so it makes perfect sense that she became a no-nonsense FBI agent. After a mission gone awry, Gracie puts her colleagues at risk in order to take down a baddie alive. That's when the Bureau catches wind... Yeah, that's when the Bureau catches wind of a suspected terrorist called the Citizen, whose next target will be the Miss United States pageant. In order to thwart the Citizen's plot, the FBI needs to plant an agent in the pageant. After a series of sexist speculation, the Bureau decides that Gracie is the woman for the job. Gracie Hart, a.k.a. Gracie Lou Freebush, a.k.a. Miss New Jersey, does her best to shed her slovenly ways thanks to the help of posh pageant expert Victor Melling who seems endlessly exasperated by Gracie's slobby instincts. As Gracie works her way up the pageant system, she befriends the naive and seemingly simple Miss Rhode Island, who the FBI also suspects, also suspects is the citizen. But when Gracie follows her instincts, she ends up defying the FBI and catching this citizen with a split second to spare. You look baffled. Except she doesn't catch the citizen. What do you mean she doesn't catch the citizen? There's a there's a there's a twist. The citizen she catches is not the citizen. Explain who who you're referring to and this might get into spoiler alert territory. Yeah, so uh Gracie so the the, the actual conspirators here are uh oh and I'm blanking on the character name but Candace Bergen uh plays right. plays the Kathy Morningside or uh, who's yeah not Kathy Morningside she's a, the, she and her son are doing co- a copycat oh and then they bust the actual I, I thought that they sim- were saying that the person that she th- that that the FBI caught was a cap was a copycat. No, they're saying that was the actual one because then there's a whole exposition scene with 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 Morningside and and, and her son where where he's like, yeah, but they already caught the actual citizen. She's like, yeah, that's definitely a bump in the road, but uh, it's a copycat. Remember, she had all those other copycat letters that she was gonna that she was gonna send. You know what, Dan? I stopped paying attention for two seconds, and it doesn't change the way I see this movie. <laughs> is this what? Is it, oh, this doesn't change everything for you. No, that you know that 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 Candace. All right, Bergen... fine. So the FBI. Uh, okay, so define the FBI in catching the. I don't know the conspirators <laughs> with a split second to spare. How about that? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Fine. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I didn't know if you were just being cagey to not give away the spoiler. Well, I mean, I tried to not give away the spoiler. Other, This is a 21-year-old movie, but, you know, what are you going to do? So, and and also, I feel like it's kind of obvious the entire time that, like, oh. there's something super shady about Kathy Morningside. 
Totally. Yeah. Um, but Candace Bergen is amazing. Yeah, let's turn down the cast list here. So we have Sandra Bullock, of course, as uh, as Gracie Hart. Michael K- Michael Kine as Victor Melling. Uh, Benjamin Bratt is Agent Eric Matthews, who is the uh, obviously going to be falling in love with uh, Sandra Bullock's character and is kind of like there razzing her the whole time. But then as she gets pretty, he starts to like her. And um, that's a little cringy. Yeah, Candace Bergen is Kathy Morningside. William Shatner is Stanley Fields, who's the the Miss USA pageant's kind of like host and face of the of the pageant. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's great. I loved him. And then we have uh, Heather Burns as Miss Rhode Island. And um, who delivers possibly the most famous line from this movie. Which is funny because like, I had always remembered that line. It must have been in the trailer, or it's just been memed so much yeah. that like it's gotten in my head. But I think that for a long time, I just assumed that it was in Drop Dead Gorgeous. Like I think that I just as- attached it to that. But it, no, it, it's the describe your perfect date, and she says, "Yeah, it's fu- April twenty it, fifth. It it's definitely one of those lines that would it that would fit in Drop Dead Gorgeous, which is why I love it in this movie because it's such a break from it's great and the delivery is perfect and it's why it is the most remembered line from this from this movie yeah yeah also just like really clever really clever writing there no for sure so yeah miss congeniality it's full of problems (laughs) like i you know there's definitely the scene where they're going through like every fbi agent and putting them through this software that somehow magically puts them into swimsuits yeah, yeah, it's one of those like it only exists in these type of movies, uh, type of thing. Yeah, and it's really, I mean, it's it's got everything from misogyny to homophobia yeah. in that all in wrapped that into one montage. And yeah, then, yeah, and then we have, um, I mean, there's definitely lots of fat shaming going on, and then there's you know making fun of eating disorders, and not in that montage, but like. Throughout the movie. Right. And it's yeah. it's all very much like, oh, this is supposed to be like a pro-feminism movie, but it's just like taking down everything else in its path. Right. Yeah. Which which kind of when you put it in context and like that's something that Petrie says was that like a lot like if it were to be made today, oh. a lot of it, which, by the way, he's also on record saying he doesn't think it should be like re- rebooted that, uh, that and that's another conversation for for later in the yeah. episode. But, uh, you know, he kind of talks about how, yeah, a lot of it would not wouldn't make it. Uh, wouldn't make wouldn't make the cut because yeah. of just kind of advanced attitudes. It makes me wonder, though, like for 2000, was this forward thinking uh, <laughs> enough? I, I, I mean, mean, especially I mean, especially after like this is it's it's almost 10 years after Silence of the Lambs, where yeah. we we have that like sexism in the FBI tackled in a much more serious yeah. and realistic manner. Yeah. It matters. <laughs> which, it matters. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, great Jody. Uh, (laughs) and then, and then, you know, like feds where it's dealt with maybe on an equal level. Yeah. At least I feel like feds does a better job of, you know, addressing 
feminism and you know women's rights in the agency than than yeah, this movie yeah, where yeah. you know and i okay I, I there are some sandra bullock movies that i really like speed for example and i that's a totally badass movie she's great in it and everything um but i see i really have a problem with and the, and this happens also in love potion number 9 where she's like uggified so that she can be beautified and i f- i cringe at the way that she portrays herself as this like gross version of herself yeah and it's it's just it's like the whole idea of oh well if she snorts when she laughs right and like you know wears sweats and, and eats and ice eats, cream like yeah. eats ice cream yeah um actually i would say so um the sequel to this came out in 2005 armed and fabulous armed and fabulous i would actually say armed and fabulous is i mean it's it's a few years later but especially in terms of how it treats uh cuz you have two female leads in that Sandra Bullock and Regina King yeah. who plays uh another agent and i feel like it does a slightly better job of uh like yeah. addressing the double, like the double standard sure. that, that well, women. There's face there's in law one thing I do want to add about this idea of movies not aging well because of, you know, us being maybe more progressive thinkers after 21 years, and I want to say that it's not necessarily that the movie doesn't portray things in the best way. It's that. We should have known better collectively. And like at that time, it should have been, these things should have been called out then rather than 21 years later. And and it's not necessarily that you couldn't make that movie today. It's that that movie should not have been made that way then. No, no. uh, Yeah. So that's just my two cents on that subject. I think in the last 20 years, we've we've learned uh, that there are a whole lot more people that when they see things that that, you know, others might see as just harmless. There are people who see that and feel bad, like that someone someone could go to the movie, someone with an eating disorder could go see this movie and hear eating disorder jokes. And that's all they're thinking about. Right. Then. And. I I don't know because I was not, you know, it was 20 years ago. I feel like I personally was a lot less aware, but I feel like the, like the world in general was less aware of the harm that things like this were, were doing. Well, you know, in, in the year 2000, the internet wasn't what it is now. This is, you know, a few years before social media really began and that's when things really started to take off about like our collective social awareness of what other people are going through yeah. and that's uh, unfortunately in in, a, in in some ways it it unfortunately took the need for like this crescendo of uh incidences of bad things happening because of people confronting these you know, difficult issues with themselves, such as eating disorders, that, you know, it became more of a public thing where there was an internet awareness around what's going on that made us have to address it and really look at it for what it I is. I mean, just people putting their stories out there and like someone saying like, you know, I I was going to see Miss Congeniality 
to, you know, have a laugh and, and escape from my problems, but it just, it just put me in a funk. Yeah. And like now, yeah, you didn't have those in 2000. You didn't have people going online and talking about those experiences and, and sharing. And I think now that we do it, and it's, it's a topic that I think that comes up frequently when discussing, uh, outdated material, um, that, you know, when, when, People who maybe don't get it are saying like, what? Like, oh, it wasn't a problem then. Yeah, it it was. You just didn't know about it. Right. No one no one made you aware of, of the problem, but there was a problem. Yeah, and it wasn't until a year later, in 2001, when um, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back informed us about the website moviepoopshoot.com, where people oh. go to uh, shit on <laughs> movies on the internet. Uh, anyway, so... Miss Congeniality 2, Armed and Fabulous. I'll give a little tiny synapsis, synapsis, synapsis of what's going synapsis. on. The, All right. So after the enormous press coverage surrounding the Miss United States, sorry, it's, I've been having just such a long week. After It's Tuesday. After the enormous press coverage surrounding the Miss United States pageant, Gracie Hart's ability to go undercover has come to an end. So Gracie has made the new face of the FBI requiring her to do the talk show circuit and sign copies of her new book for Octavia Spencer. But when Miss Rhode Island and pageant official Stan Fields get kidnapped, Gracie and her new partner, Sam Fuller, work together to find out what happened and catch the bad guys. And I want to run down this cast list because this movie, although not very good, has some like heavy hitters in here who maybe who at the time nobody I mean Octavia Spencer was this her first time in front of a camera I know that she did work behind the scenes no. Octavia Spencer oh, wait. I, I mean she's been popping up in things forever wasn't she in was it the client probably I think that we pointed her out like as like a nurse and like the client or something anyway yeah, I mean I, but that's the thing Octavia Spencer popped up in these roles for uh yeah, like for years right. before she broke out. She was a known face before a known name. Right. So uh, let me just run through a little bit of the cast. I'll just mention some of the new people that we have in here. Uh, we have, of course, Regina King as Sam Fuller, who's she's great. I, I think that she's fantastic in this. I, I love Regina King. She's amazing. Um, we have Enrique Mer Merciano as Jeff Foreman. Um, let's see. We have Dietrich Bader as Joel, who's kind of the, the Michael Caine analog for this, but like very much on a budget. He's yeah. meant to kind of be there to make her look good. Yeah. And that performance is about five years past its time, at least. You know, and here's the thing is that in the first one, Michael Caine plays somebody who his homosexual his homosexuality is alluded to but it's not hitting you over the head with it it is not no. saying like there's no affectations there's nothing aside from just some lines of dialogue that you could you know blink and you miss him but Dietrich Bader is very over the top like oh capital G gay much more along the lines of a drop dead gorgeous level performance yeah, i'd say so yeah and um I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that really stands out. Um, well, I mean, of course, Dolly Parton and Dolly uh, Parton, Regis mm -hmm. and Joy Philbin. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, Eileen Brennan is in there. She Eileen plays uh, William Shatner's mom, mother. Yeah, Nick Offerman. Nick, Nick Offerman. Offerman. How could I forget Nick Offerman? How oh, Nick Offerman and Abraham Abraham Ben Ruby. Ben Ruby. 
aka Larry Kubiak from Parker Lewis Can't Lose as the uh the kidnappers. Nick Offerman is so good in this. I've been watching him yeah. in um Pam and Tommy uh on Hulu, which uh, he's just he's so good. Yes. Yeah. Uh Nick Offerman, just the best. And uh it's funny seeing him in roles before Parks and Rec where you're just like yeah, he's been doing this for a long time. He's just yeah. been there and we haven't noticed him. Nope. He yeah. was the bad guy in Miss Congeniality 2 Armed and Fabulous. I know. How did we not, like, how, how That's did we on not us. know his name after that? That's, That's on, on us. us. That was, a, yeah, swing and a miss there. Uh, and, and of course, uh, as the uh, moral center of the film, if you will, the... Uh, the the young girl who idolizes Gracie Hart, sure, and uh, who it, it kind of uh, is the anchor for Gracie Hart's uh, personal she, growth. She bookends the movie. She bookends the movie exactly. So, uh, uh, playing the character of Priscilla is a uh, young Molly Gottlieb, who young at the time, I, young yes, yeah, well, still, still young. young. I still mean, young. Com- yeah. compared to us. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. So, um, but no, Molly was someone who I knew. Uh, she was. She, uh, she went to the drama camp, at the performing arts center where I where I worked. And I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I don't, I'm not going to tell too much of the story because I had the opportunity to chat with Molly and, um, uh. He, you know, had had a little interview with her about her experience and how she ended up working on on Miss Congeniality too, or Fabulous. Fabulous. Uh, and so I don't want to tell too much of the story. I'll let her do the talking. Yeah, let's listen to that right now. Greetings, Starfighters. I am here with a very very special guest, uh, Miss Molly Gottlieb who uh, played Priscilla in Miss Congeniality 2, Armed and Fabulous. Molly, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. Well, I'm really excited to be here. It's a pleasure. And uh, to fill in our our audience, I've known Molly since she was what, 10, 9? Like yeah, maybe even 9 or 8. Somewhere around there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, through drama camp where I was an instructor. Yep. And Molly was uh, was a student, obviously an, an excellent one <laughs> to reach, uh, you know, reach the big screen. So um, anyway, I thought uh, maybe you could just kind of catch us up. Let us know uh, how, like, how did you get into performing in general? And then, we'll, yeah. uh, you know, then we'll hear about how you ended up in, in Miss Congeniality. But like, you know, what kind of what sparked the flame? Yeah, so my acting career was honestly an accident. Um, it began when I was around nine years old when I went to Stage Struck, the performing arts camp where Dan was one of my counselors. Um, and there was a, a children's talent manager that was scouting and had the campers kind of read lines from, from commercial scripts. So I didn't really know what was going on, but I thought it would be really, really fun to read from a double stuffed Oreo script. So I, uh, I gave it a shot. And I was, I really wasn't interested in acting at the time, to be honest. I, I really joined the camp as a way to get over my very crippling stage fright of singing, which was my main passion at the time. Um, but at the camp, we had to get involved in acting and singing and dancing. So I just took a stab at reading the lines and then, um, the rest was history. I, uh, 
I signed with the manager and then started started auditioning from there on out. And yeah, I I remember that. I remember that double stuff copy. Uh, <laughs> I I yeah, I'm pretty no sure. No way. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I remember because I feel like I had just done. I had just like taken a class in on like w- yeah. on camera and advertising and all that. And I'm pretty sure. Like I just like brought a lot of that stuff in when uh, when the manager w- was was I rem- I have some vague recollection of that. Um, so yeah, so that's amazing. Um, like, what other jobs did you do, or like, did you just nail like was Miss Congeniality the first one, or <laughs> what? I wish that would be so cool, but it was my first my first um, feature film audition. But before that. Um, I guess I I had a a recurring role in Law and Order Criminal Intent, um, right. and then mainly sort of national network commercials and voiceover work um, for brands like Staples, uh, Burger King, Toyota, Verizon, Citizens Bank, and Carnival Cruise. And then yeah, Miss Congeniality was was um, the first feature film, and I was I was just kind of given sides to to memorize ahead of the audition and then that took place with a casting agent and then after that that first round I just I got a call back afterwards and then the the director was involved and then just waited a few weeks and then found out that I got the role so it was just it was a few weeks process it wasn't like ongoing months of yeah I mean I think it could have been maybe around a month or so, the first audition, and then a few weeks later for the callback, mm-hmm. and then a few weeks after that, and then that was how I found out. Man, what, like so, yeah, it wasn't too long of a process, to be honest. <laughs> and and was I would I would imagine that that would be a pretty nerve wracking couple of weeks there uh, to wait. I, oh yeah, yeah. So what was? How did you? Uh, I guess how did you prepare? And also, like, how did you? If you were able to get your mind off of it. You know, how did you, I guess you still had school. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I still had school. So I was able to to keep my mind occupied, but no, oh my God, I was thinking about it every day. I was, you know, I, I was at the time I was only 10 or so. So I'm asking my mom, you know, can you call my manager? Like ask her, did I get it? Did I get it? Um, but in terms of, I mean, yeah, preparing for it. <laughs> I was always such a ball of anxiety for every single audition that I ever did. And I, because of that anxiety, I tended to procrastinate from actually learning my lines because <laughs> I didn't want to face the reality of, of having to actually audition. So I tended to really only memorize my lines kind of um, a few hours or so before when I was on the train and just cram all that information in. <laughs> And I mean, I guess clearly it, it worked. Is that something like, do you find that that works for <laughs> you? The, do, do you find that that like works for you? That that ur- that sense of urgency that like y- you mm. you can get it done, but you need that pressure. Is that I feel like that's the procrastinator's pressure. One thousand percent. Yeah. Yes. I am an all or nothing person and I have two two modes. It's either do it now or do it never. And if I'm doing it now, it has to be right at the very last second. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's awesome because you can see like there's a lot of energy in your performance. And I I watched it again recently after seeing it. I'm seeing it in the theater when it <laughs> came out. Uh, uh, you know, we were all 
we were all really excited for you. And uh, but tell us a little bit about like what was the like what was the process once you started? Like, were there a lot of did were there really rehearsals or was it just kind of show up and do it? Um, Yeah. Walk us through it. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of just show up and do it. I remember I had a little trailer and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I had, I had a little trailer and then I just re- rehearsed some of my lines, of course, very like right before it was time to film. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I remember, um, meeting Sandra Bullock for the first time on set and I think she could tell how nervous I was. Um, so I just, I have this really strong memory of her kind of just putting her hands on my shoulders and jokingly kind of shaking me being like, wake up, we have a lot of work to do today. And then immediately I just felt at ease. <laughs> I think without that, I would have been absolutely terrified, but she just made it a really, really comfortable um, embracing environment. That's awesome. That's really, that. that's so cool. And, you know, you, you don't, she's not the person, it's not the type of person who you hear horror stories about people like you hear a lot yeah, of positivity. No. So I kind of would have been surprised, but it's really nice to hear that. And, uh, that, that she kind of took that role as well. She should, <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. you, you know, it, but she could easily, you know, be a diva. <laughs> So it's, it sounds like she's yeah, not 100%. much of a diva. Yeah. Um, and I'm not curious to know, she's like, so nice. who else on, who else was there on set to, to help you, uh, you know, to kind of help you out, whether it's making you feel comfortable or coaching or, you know, what was that like? Who was? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, Sandra Bullock kind of offered me a lot of advice on the set. Um, she really took the time to to kind of talk to me between takes. She even kind of gave me some acting tips as well. And she was like, never take any acting lessons, which was great because I didn't really want to take lessons. <laughs> so it was nice to have that sort of validation. Um, I had I had an on um an onset tutor as well. Um, so those were kind of the main two people that that I kind of spoke to. But a fun fact, this wasn't actually a person that necessarily helps me out, but someone that I did talk to on set. It's really it's really random, but Octavia Spencer was actually an extra in the movie. I was wondering and she was behind me in line. <laughs> During my scene where I'm at the book signing and she's literally behind me and we're just like chatting away like (laughs) Octavia Spencer. That's so funny because I was, you know, saw her in there and I was like, yeah, that's Octavia Spencer. Did you? And it was funny because I was going (laughs) to. I mean, yeah, this that's these are the type of things I, I notice and then I go on IMDB just to confirm. But <laughs> um and you know, like she's always she's one of those people who like she every you go back and you're like, Wow, like Octavia Spencer's been in things forever. And uh yeah. I was wondering, I was like, I wonder what someone like that, someone who at that point wasn't really a a known name like but she was a known face mm-hmm. and someone who had been on a yeah. lot of different sets like what what you would learn from someone like that so that's so funny that and what what type of gems did she drop i on know you? i know Anything? i wish that i remembered yeah. our conversation i just know that she was really really nice and friendly but if, if i had known you know that that was the octavia spencer at the time i well, feel like i would have remembered a few more things well yeah it's also yeah we're going back uh you know almost 20 years 
<laughs> which is which is crazy. And I can't even remember what I ate for breakfast this morning. I I yeah, I I know exactly what you mean. I'm I'm like I can remember that Octavia Spencer was an extra in this movie, but I can't remember why I walked to this side of the room. So that's where we are right now. Anyway, um, so then, okay, the the movie wraps, uh, or your part wraps, rather. I imagine, like, for how how mm-hmm. long did you shoot for? Because you kind of you almost like you bookend the story where she's yeah. at at first. Yeah. We're like, oh wow, she's she has become a not not so nice person, and then she redeems mm-hmm. herself and comes back, and she you know like makes it up to you. So uh, I imagine yeah. that you just kind of filmed that all t- together or how did that work? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I It's interesting because I only had visibility into my own line. So it was really, really interesting kind of seeing how, how my part contributed to the whole story in the end. And as you say, I kind of, after seeing the movie, I realized how my character kind of symbolized that pre-pageant sort of not glamorous version of of Sandra Bullock's character Gracie Hart that she'd lost sight of and then you know at the end of the movie she reconnects to that previous version of herself um so it was really really interesting to see that I mean I think it was only a few weeks or so I remember we shot some of the scenes in in New York the book signing and then the classroom and then one of those scenes was reshot in LA so I flew out there for a few weeks but yeah it was just a few weeks at a time really mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so that's, so you really only had your lines. You didn't, you didn't realize you, you were the moral core of, of this movie. The, yeah, yeah, the no impetus idea. for her character growth, for Gracie's character growth. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, had you seen the, had you seen the original, uh, like before this came up or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you were a fan. You were yeah, you were 100%. into it. Such a fan, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. that's awesome. So you you're you're part of the the legacy. You're part of the story. Yeah. Nice. Oh my god, it was the most exciting experience of my life getting to be <laughs> in that movie as a kid. I loved the first movie, so it was incredible. And what and how about so like the final product? So you said uh, you know, the final product, you 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 know, saw it all yep. come together and I mean, how could you not love it? <laughs> Of course. Uh, what what was that like? I remember. I have a, a memory. I remember like your mom rented out like the Milburn Cinemas uh, or something in in Jersey uh, for all for a big you know like all the friends. But did you go to like the big like Hollywood premiere? I I assume you did. Yes. Yeah, I went to, I didn't go to the one in LA, I went to the one in New York, which I don't know if it was sort of like a mini version of the premiere, but but it was some sort of premiere. And mm-hmm. yeah, I got to go to that, which was really, really exciting. And I just remember, I was really, really scared to watch it because um, as with with age, my, my anxiety was kind of getting worse and worse. And I started really getting in my head when I was acting uh-huh. and I started developing kind of weird habits. Like I remember vividly that I would be focusing so hard on like sitting still that I'd almost make my my head like twitch. And it's kind of like when you're getting your hair done, if you're at the hair salon and they're telling you sit really still. So then all you could think about is sitting still. So you start making yourself not sit still. So I developed this habit of kind of feeling like I was losing control of my head a little when the camera was close to me. And I was convinced 
that it was going to be picked up on camera. So I was so, so, so scared to watch it. Um, and then I remember just this huge relief when I saw it at the premiere. And I'm like, you can't tell him my head was shaking. <laughs> no idea. No idea. And I was watching, this was a 4K streaming. Yeah, no, you couldn't see it. Not at all. Thank God. So, so I mean, other than other than the uncontrollable head twitching. So, uh, no. So after <laughs> Miss Congeniality two, so you kind of like you know happened into this acting career. Um, yeah. What uh, like what happens? What happened after afterwards? What did you decide to to pursue or not pursue? Yeah. So I kept on acting until I'd say around. 15 or so. Um, I had that, that recurring role in, in Law and Order Criminal Intent. Um, I did that again when I was around 14. And I did a few things here and there. But as I mentioned, I mean, my anxiety was just getting really, really bad with, with age. And I was really kind of doubting myself, especially since I can't control my head when filming. And um, I started kind of avoiding the anxious feelings by avoiding auditioning. Um, gradually just kind of fell out of it, which I mean, it's really a shame because I wasn't able to pinpoint anxiety as the root cause of distancing myself from acting at, at such a young age. But I mean, if I had known then what I do now, I could have developed coping strategies and stuck with it. But as they say, you know, youth is wasted on the young. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, have you ever thought about going back and tr doing even just some I don't know, stage or whether even something small, have you thought about it? Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, I'd honestly love to get back into acting and I've thought about it, but it's sort of like, I don't even know how anymore. I've been out of the game for so long. I feel like you'd have to have an up-to-date reel, but if you, you can't audition unless you have a reel, but then how can I get a reel if I haven't had any projects? So it's really hard to figure out how to kind of get back into it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I don't know if, and uh, you know, you're you're in London currently. I wonder how it works yeah. there, and how uh, you know. I feel like true, I, I true. you watch all these documentaries about uh, like shows, BBC shows from like the '60s. I remember watching like the Monty Python documentary, and it, and it's like, oh yes, we just walked into the BBC and said, this is you know, we want to be on a show, and they said, okay, they gave us a show, and <laughs> I I imagine it's not like that anymore, but. Uh, you know, uh, but you are keeping busy these days. And why don't you uh, bring us up to speed? What have you been up to, uh, you know, professionally, creatively? Hype your stuff. Yeah. Will do. I, I mean, I always joke that my, my career peaked when I was 11, um, which is a joke, but also very true. Um, I, I mean, I mentioned that I fell out of acting and started focusing more on, on school. Um, and now I'm, I'm living in London and I work in, in advertising as a media planner. So essentially planning and buying ad campaigns. Um, and then on the side, I spend, uh, my time writing, half finished songs that I sometimes post on Instagram and I'm still battling my stage fright of singing through karaoke exposure therapy. Karaoke is that uh, prescribed? Uh, does your insurance cover that? <laughs> Self-prescribed and I wish because I've, I've spent a lot of money at karaoke, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like I feel like we're at that place where those self-care items really should be like some of that's got to be covered 
now. Like we're there, right? Really should be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, oh, and of course, I can't let you go today before asking you if if you were given the opportunity, if you were given a blank check uh, to revive somehow the miscongeniality franchise in the form of a, a remake, reboot, a sequel, a prequel, a musical, a series, whatever, uh, what would you do? So I am the biggest fan of scary movies. So if I could revive this, it would be in the form of some sort of a thriller. And at the end of the movie where um, Gracie Hart asks me, you know, what do we want? And I say world peace. I'd say um, world destruction. And then I would be the kind of creepy kid in the horror movie. (laughs) And get to live out my dream of being in a horror movie. So you would so be very selfish, selfish reasons. So would you be like her, like her sidekick for most of it, and then we find out that you're the, you're you're the killer. You're yeah, the exactly. Like she damaged you so much as a child when she was such a biatch. Uh, yeah. And that yeah. And you've just you're, you know. You could even have a pun about her being heartless. I don't know. Uh, Ooh, that's good. That's uh, really good. So, ooh, I mean, yeah, because when she when she tells me in the beginning to, you know, uh, when I ask her to come to my book signing and then she says, um, well, no, I'm not going to do that. But, you know, you could always like pull your hair back and keep it out of your face. And then I've just been harboring that resentment ever since. Oh, maybe that's how you kill people. And then she comes to the classroom. <laughs> oh no, that's how you kill people. You scalp them by ripping their hair out from the front. You pull their hair oh back so much. Oh, this is a great idea. I love it. I was thinking, I yeah. was like, we got to yeah. bring your character back and have your character, like, you know, but I was thinking still like action comedy, but I love the direction you're taking it. That's fantastic. I'm now. We can make it a dark, a dark comedy. Can- thriller comedy. You ever see Orphan? Have you ever seen yes, that one, Orphan? Yeah, like I'm thinking that kind of tone to it. Oh, that's yeah, that's yes. awesome! Wow. Yes. So, I mean, would it be like a sequel? Would it be like Miss Congeniality three? Yeah, I, exactly. It would go in a completely different direction from any of the other two, and it would just randomly become a psychological thriller and it, slash comedy. You could do it like do the marketing like the, like the Scream movies. Like you just like work the three into the title somewhere, and they're like one of the E's yes. or something. I don't know. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, Molly, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Uh, it has been awesome catching up with you. And uh, we we don't say goodbye on Rune Childhoods. We say good journey. So I wish you a good journey. I love that. I wish you a great journey. Thank you so much for having me. Dan, that was great. That was, it, it was so good. It's, I mean- Man, if there's one thing this podcast has has been great for, it's been reconnecting me with people <laughs> who I have not talked to in a long time. Yeah, no, that was great. Um, I am thrilled because, you know, Molly Gottlieb is somebody who, if you go on like Wikipedia, that's that's not a name that's linked. So it's hard to find, you know, more information and um definitely good to just hear about things that went on behind the scenes and just kind of like 
what it's actually like to be in a movie with, at the time, one of the biggest actresses. Yeah, I mean, still? <laughs> like, uh, Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, she was definitely like in her absolute prime then. Well, I yeah, 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 and, it, and it's nice to hear that that she was uh, like, and so I'm of course supportive. talking about Eileen Brennan. Eileen Brennan, yeah. yes, Eileen. I mean, man, Clue. You know, it's like, how do you work on a film with Eileen Brennan and not 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 talk about Clue? No, uh, yeah, no uh, kidding. <laughs> no, yeah, but um, but Molly and hey, Molly, uh, you know, also seems like she struck up a little onset friendship with Octavia Spencer. That's never a bad thing. So, no, no, it's it's really um, like it's it's really awesome, and I had been wondering about that as as I said. So, um, and I thought Molly had a a fun idea for yeah, bringing back Miss Congeniality. Dark, yeah, and uh, and fun. Yeah, and and I kind of want to go next because I want to say it before you say it. Okay. Has there been a Miss Congeniality musical? Uh, you know, good uh, good question. Because that I, to me felt like the obvious solution. Um, no, it doesn't look like there has been a uh, any stage adaptation, but I feel like that could be done so easily here. Yeah, it does seem to lend itself to to the stage. Uh yeah, it hasn't been hasn't been done yet, but it yeah, it seems like one of those things that that's just uh, you know waiting waiting to happen. Sorry, guys, my uh, my puppy Rufio's got a case of the zoomies right now. In case you hear a little <laughs> zipping around behind me, <laughs> got it. Um, so so you want Miss Congeniality the musical? Yeah. Uh, let's forget Miss Congeniality Miss Congeniality two. Uh, if we want to have some sort of reference to Nick Offerman and and uh, uh, Larry Kubiak over there, <laughs> Abraham Ben Ruby is that his name? Yeah, I, he yeah. he's come up so much on this podcast. I he need has. to remember his last name. But yeah. Uh, yeah, stage musical that's the way to do it. You could do so much with that. There, it's just perfect for it. I like that. I think it makes sense. I think it makes a lot of sense, especially considering that, uh, you know, it's the whole idea of pageants and all that. And in in thinking about how you would read, how you would do this over. And I thought that uh, what Miss Congeniality 2 did well was continue the story logically without involving another pageant. Right, right, right. And, uh, but I, I feel like now, like you couldn't, you couldn't do it. And it's more of a concept. Like what else, where are you going to, this, this kind of fish out of water concept, uh, which it reminded me a lot of, of sister act and had some, you know, feeling like, especially the scene when like, when, when she like, uh, gets them, gets the, she gets them the pizza and takes them out. Yeah. It reminded me so much of like sister act when they, she sneaks out to the bar and right. Kathy and Jimmy and, and, uh, sister Mary Patrick follow her. Um, 
So I was just, I was like thinking like, where else do you put something like, and it was funny because I also started thinking uh, of like Point Break, but more of like the Point Break remake where it's like uh-huh. the concept is like, huh, our criminals are into this very niche thing. And this agent happens to also right. be very experienced at this very niche thing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, which Miss Congeniality, Miss Congeniality is more like the original Point Break where right. it, it's like he has they no have idea to adapt. How to serve. Yeah. And yeah. And so she has to adapt. So I uh it's like where else do you like what else do you do with that? Do you do do you have like something that takes place on a construction site? And I mean like take the like take the the like the gender formula. out out of it. Well, just take the formula. Right, keep the formula, but take like just think all right, like are we gonna do something on a uh, you know, construction site, and are the criminals, uh, you know, part of this construction crew because they're very close knit? And I mean, now it's it's even talk. It sounds like Point Break. When I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, if uh, if Miss Congeniality actually did go down the route where like Miss Rhode Island was this terrorist, then uh, that would be more Point Breaky because she forms this bond and makes that like friendship and connection. I, yeah, I don't know, but I feel like, I don't know, Gracie doesn't seem to really get as tied in to the pageant itself until we're kind of told that she was in the second one, you know, like she, she does say something at the end of the first one. I don't remember exactly what it was, but basically about like how, you know, there's good to be seen in pageants. <laughs> right. And, um, right. but it's, it's not like she's become uh Johnny Utah level involved in the system. You know, I think that the entire movie of Miss Congeniality takes place over like four days. Like it is not yeah. a, you know, she's not there for, for very long. It's, it's short. And it, yeah, so I'm kind of like left with this like all right, beauty beauty pageants are 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 done and you know, I mean, look, I'm just, I know there's still I don't want to slam pageants right for, you know, I'm sure that there are still and and or or scholarship programs, sorry. Scholarship programs, quote, that's uh, right. Yeah, uh Candace Bergen in, in in the movie. But yeah, I I don't know I feel like I was thinking, oh, you know what? Ballet, I thought was another one that uh-huh. could, that could, it could work because if it, it, it could work because somebody who is athletic, somebody who's naturally athletic could potentially, you know, blend into the, the world of, of ballet, which is less problematic. You know what, than... Dan, you know what I'm starting to think about now? Brain donors? No, the cutting edge. I was, I have that in my notes, the cutting Figure edge. skating. I have, I have that in my notes because I was thinking about all the different ways. I was like, what's something that you could take someone who's not, who's never done this professionally before. You get a hockey put them player. Into, I mean, has, has it ever, oh, you know what? It has to has train. It, has it ever been done I'm trying I'm I'm trying to think like has it ever been done with like a like a televised talent show? Uh unfortunately the only movie I can think about right now with one of those is God Bless America. 
And yeah, I mean, there's like Eurovision, um, televised talent show. Yeah. Like a televised, like an X Factor type right. thing where someone has to go undercover as a contestant. And I, I'm just trying to think of like how you could wind up because you're taking the formula and you're putting it into your you're reconfiguring it to work for, you know, modern day. And it's one of the few like TV staples that's kind of still a, a thing or these, you know, right. the the voice. Uh, yeah, I don't America's got talent. All of these. You know, which one would actually work best for it is like the masked singer. Oh, the masked singer. Yeah. Fraught yeah, with controversy worked. lately. Uh, yeah. Well, God. Who's bad decisions. Putting... Bad decisions are being made. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible decisions. God, how does if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, there was Pick an episode... up a newspaper. Y- yeah, yeah, but no, it was not even worth it because that would they had Rudy Giuliani yeah. as one of the, as like the mass And they've had singer. lots of questionable, especially like politicians and government people who yeah. yeah, but like Sarah Palin. Yeah, Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin's like that's a little bit like, more to be expected. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I you could anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, you know, you you go into one of these like that would be some good fodder for thing. You know, you could have the 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 host, the the comical host. You could have the you know uptight producer who's who who you know. I imagine the uptight producer is someone who you you think is going to be involved, and then they're not. Like yeah. it's your red herring. So that might be the the way to go. The Olympics. Olympics but, would be interesting, but I, I don't. I think that was how I got to cutting edge. I think that I, was the. Is it the chain? Is it even possible to do a movie centered? Are there what are there movies centered around the Olympics that aren't like you know Munich? Well, that I that aren't. I was just about to say that aren't like you know nonfiction. You know that is based on a real event, but I'm trying to think of like any kind of movie that's Olympics about. About the about the actual Olympics, that is not I'm, because I'm wondering if there are huh. like some legal things that are protecting the Olympics from any type of like that's reference really interesting in, uh, now that I think culture. about it. Fictional movies about the Olympics, huh? Yeah, because. I, there's gotta. I, I feel like that's one of those things, like the like how you can't say Super Bowl if you're you know profiting or something. You have to call it like the big game. You know, I feel like every gotta be everything that, that I'm seeing, Cool Runnings, is, Cool Runnings, was a true story. Cool Runnings, true story. Yeah. Was the cutting edge not the Olympics? I don't think that was the Olympics. I think it was. It was something else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not seeing anything. So, I, oh wait, personal best, maybe that that might have been What's a fictional, one? uh, Olympics, Olympics movie. I've never seen it. I'm looking at a list on the internet. So, yeah, okay, uh, yeah, it, 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 personal best. Uh, yeah, it's uh, three highly ranked athletes striving for the national team. Uh, and it's got Mariel Hemingway in it. Oh, 
Okay. So I guess there's some like Olympic, but no, you're right. Most of them are non-fictional. So this would be a good a good opportunity to have a uh, a fun action comedy. Based, I do feel like the idea of involving terrorism with the Olympics, though, is a bit. Yeah. Well, like, it doesn't have to be terrorism. It could be. I mean, bank robberies. It, it, you know, were right. It could be sufficient. Theft. It, yeah, it could be some type of yeah, it could be some type of theft, and that like maybe um like maybe they're they're planning on robbing the Olympics, and like there's this big maybe like, they're using the Olympics to source a bunch of uh data to like perform elder abuse, uh you know <laughs> by getting people to give their social security numbers. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, what's there's something so where it's just like ooh, that's that's wrong, but like. It's not something that it's like, you know, blowing anything up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I suppose. Yeah. I think like like stealing and it's really I'm imagining all of a sudden like this really great, uh, you know, a scene with like everybody in their tracksuits and we're trying to like like the cop miscongeniality, whoever it is. What are, what are we going to call them in this like bronze medal? And they're like are you suggesting to... their name is bronze medal? No, I was suggesting the title of the movie. Oh, okay. Is <laughs> like her name isn't Miss Congeniality. Yeah. It's like that's. What I thought that you were saying wins. whatever their name is, like bronze medal. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. You know, B R A H N S. It's a, uh, a Danish name. Okay. Uh, bronze. You know, it's yeah. It's, sure. It's Danish. Yeah. There you go. You don't. Yeah. You don't. I clearly don't know any Danish people. So. <laughs> Trust me on this. Fair. Don't ask anyone. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, <laughs> right now I'm just making shit. I'm just lying. Uh, anyway, yeah. I'm uh, I'm 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 ready. I'm ready to to share. Are you ready? Are you ready to unveil? I'm ready. I have not found a way to shoehorn this title for this movie in at all. Uh, oh, you lying? I'm lions. Uh, but the rest of it, uh, you know, there's there's nothing. I I uh, nobody goes on the I, lamb. Well, we talked about Silence of the Lambs. We talked about Silence of the Lambs, and oh, we yeah, no, we could have definitely talked about someone going on uh, on the lamb. All right, Dan, and, what's the what's the next movie? Yeah, oh, the next movie we're doing because it's going to be March, and we're doing the best movie to do for March. Lions for Lambs. That's right. From 2007, directed by Robert Redford, starring Robert Redford, Tom Cruise, and Meryl Streep. What a what a lineup! What a lineup! What a lineup! Yeah, I don't know who the lambs were, but we got the lions in this one. The acting lions. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very. Uh, I'm looking excited. forward to it. I am very much looking forward to watching Lions for Lambs. It's streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I want to um, just give a an extra special shout out to Molly Gottlieb for chatting yeah. it up with you. Uh, that's so cool to get that uh, insider perspective on. Miss Congeniality 2, Armed and Fabuloso. No, it was really, it was really awesome. And actually, I didn't, I can't believe I'm just mentioning this now, but uh, that was the only one of the two that I saw in the theater. I didn't see the original Miss really? Congeniality. In, the, in fact, I never saw it all the way through until the other night. I'd seen bits and pieces, oh. but I saw Armed and Fabulous in the theater. Did you now? Was I it because of Molly? Molly? 
Okay. Oh yeah. I wasn't sure when, like, when you I mean, worked with her, and yeah. No, no, no. I mean, it was like I, I'm pretty sure I, I at least helped coach her, not for right the movie, but for uh, you know, in the interview, she was talking about the audition for the uh, there was the talent agent that kind of came to the came to the camp, and mm. uh, I, I was you know one of the people coaching kids on on those auditions. Yeah, well, you're no Octavia Spencer, but you'll do. I'm no Octavia Spencer, but hey, look, I've I've got a decent track record. Yeah. Well, so. Dan, track record would also be a good title for a movie about uh the Olympics. Oh, about the Olymp- <laughs> with the Olympics. <laughs> yes. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> yes. Oh, he's still got it. All right. Well, Dan, as you are, gee, I don't even know what's even going on in this stupid movie. Walking as I'm sashaying in, down as, a spiral staircase. Yeah, as you're learning to walk in heels, I wish you a good journey. Good. I walk damn well in heels, by the way, and good journey. From sea to shining sea, like Lady Liberty, she reigns over all she sees. She's beauty and she's grace. She's queen of 50 states. She's elegant. Taste. She's Miss United States.